Welcome to episode 34 of the Double Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Glick, and today we're exploring a place built for safe artistic exploration. A Las Vegas studio away from the Strip, yet completely inspired by it and the surrounding desert. I grew up in a hotel out here on the Strip, and um, I'm highly influenced by the sort of stock photography and outsider aesthetics that, that, that surrounded me when I was a, a child. That's Eric Bean. He's an artist, educator, and founder of Test Site Projects, a fine art publishing house in Las Vegas. And I remember the first sort of artwork I, I probably would say I experienced was watching them build the um, volcano at the Mirage when they were building the Mirage. It was like the sort of first, I just remember them painting it and, and, and putting it together. And, and it's like the first sculpture I ever saw, right? Bean brought his studio from Chicago to Las Vegas, and when he did, he wanted to create something that was representative of the region here, hence the name Test Site Projects. But perhaps more importantly, Bean says, he's really creating a safe space for artists all around the world to come visit and explore new techniques, ideas, and media without fear of failure. Art can be very therapeutic. Um, I mean, it can help us not only navigate the world that we live in and, and, and learn more, understand more, um, it also helps us learn and understand more about ourselves. So to learn more, I caught up with Eric from his space in Las Vegas, and we chatted about his style, artistic philosophy, and how he handles adversity. Let's start with you as an artist. How, I guess, how would you describe your art uh, for someone who's never seen your work? Uh, how would you describe what you do? I make mixed media works on paper, um, paintings, and, and objects for installations. I grew up in a hotel out here on the Strip, and I'm highly influenced by the sort of stock photography and outsider aesthetics that, that, that surrounded me when I was a, a child. You know, it's funny, when I'm growing up out here, I always tried to deny the Strip or, or its influence on me and, and tried to sort of separate myself as much as I could. But when I was in graduate school, um, I had advisors that that were like, you know, you should really lean into this as opposed to to back away. And I realized that it had been influencing me and my work in, in ways that I just never really recognized. My um, grandparents owned a hotel, um, which was right next to the Sands at the time. And I remember the first sort of artwork I, I probably would say I experienced was watching them build the um, volcano at the Mirage, when they were building the Mirage, it was like the sort of first, I just remember them painting it and, and, and putting it together. And, and it's like the first sculpture I ever saw, right? And, and there's something interesting about how Vegas and the Strip absorbs culture. Like, we don't really create it, but, but we do absorb things that, that sort of make their way from other places. I'm also really influenced by the desert in general, the, the sky, the light is very different out here than um, I, I went to school in Chicago and, and sort of hopped around between Los Angeles, Chicago, and here. And so, I, I mean, the, the color, the sky, um, the desert, all those things really find their way in there in different ways. I want to follow up on that because uh, I'm from the Midwest myself, so I, I have a little bit of that experience of coming out here. And yeah, the sky is huge. The clouds are always impressive. The The landscape is just immense and the mountains are impressive. There's so much to talk about. But one thing that struck me coming out here, especially as I visited the Vegas area, it's you've got all the lights of the strip. You've got all the action. And then you get out of the city 
and it's a totally different world. It's a totally different type of light and type of uh, environment, yet you can still see the lights from the strip. I guess I'm just curious, how do you merge those two almost seemingly conflicting uh, environments or aesthetics uh, into your work? I mean, I, I'd like to think the recent work really is about looking. And I think of the sky as a sort of a shared space, right? A place where we can all be looking at the same thing from different places and, and ultimately um, see different variations at the same time, right? In the same way that, that I think the sort of strip aesthetic and, and, and its sort of flexibility of, of things being facades constantly changing, you know, looking at something that exists somewhere else, but from a different perspective. And recently I've been interested in, in how people enter these conversations around art, even if they're not aware that they're entering them. Art in the desert is, is actually a desert out here. I mean, it's, we don't really have a museum structure in, in southern Nevada. We don't really have much gallery representation out here. And so it, it's uh, how people um, enter into art conversations has always been really interesting to me. And, and in my case, growing up in the hotel, similarly, right, I mean, my first paintings that I experienced were like, reproductions of, of famous artworks or things that were were started off as a painting. Stock photography kind of influences me in that way. It, it starts off as a painting and then is generalized in a, a way to, to try and hit as many sort of tags as possible. Like a painting of flowers could be for, you know, some sort of sympathy card. It, it, it could be for a lecture on virginity. It could be. It could be all kinds of things that that really don't relate at all to each other and very loosely relate to the the work itself. And to take that work that seems like it started somewhere else with a different intent, and then to bring it back and rework it and re-enter it into that conversation has always been kind of interesting to me. It's sort of reinventing things. As you're talking about things being repurposed, things changing, evolving, growing. I can't help but think about how quickly you've seen Nevada grow and change, Vegas grow and change. You know, in your experience, what have you seen in terms of the state or the Southern Nevada, Vegas changing over the last several years? And how has that sort of impacted what you're doing? Um, you know, I mean, it. it's Vegas is constantly growing. I mean, when where I live now, when we moved there growing up, um, was all dirt roads, right? And now it's it's far from dirt roads. I mean, we're half hour from dirt roads easily. And I think a big thing that I've noticed changing is the shift to sort of a downtown culture and trying to to build a more of a local scene. It's always been so influenced on the tourism and and the strip. And it still is, right? I mean, that's the sort of major industry out here. But, um, but there's also two million plus people who live out here, and 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 it's sort of figuring out how to engage all of those people um, in the city as well, right? And I think that's the biggest change I've seen. More of the Double Scoop podcast after this short break. Have you noticed a change in Reno lately? I sure have. Well then, keep up with the movers and shakers and unique people of Reno by listening to the R-Town Reno podcast, where we discuss helping each other out. 
New episodes play every week and feature real Reno stories told by us, the people who live here. Listen in. If you're enjoying this interview and you'd like to support the Double Scoop podcast, the best way to do that is to become a recurring member. Just look for the red button on our homepage at doublescoop.art. That's doublescoop.art. Memberships start at $5 a month, and if you sign up at that level, we'll send you a Double Scoop t-shirt. You can also make a one-time donation on PayPal or Venmo, on the Buy Me a Coffee platform, or right from our website. When you support Double Scoop, you're investing in quality local arts journalism for Reno, Las Vegas, Elko, and the rest of Nevada. Thank you. You're listening to the Double Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Glick, and I'm chatting with Eric Bean, artist, educator, and founder of Test Site Projects, a fine art publishing house and art studio designed for creative exploration. I'm just curious your thoughts on how art can play a role in sort of bringing the local community together. A lot of times, a, a big factor in it is artist-run spaces. I think part of it is is just like the sort of community when they come together, um, the conversations that happen, right? I mean, we all learn together. We learn new ways of seeing things or, or experience new things that, that we may not have seen before. And I, I think those conversations are, are really important. You know, in, in Chicago, when I was young, we would go to the museum quite regularly. And it was, you know, you saw things that maybe you, you sort of figured out taste, right? You, you learned what you like by seeing what you don't like and and you learned more about things and the more sort of familiar you became with them the more comfortable those conversations became and a space like a gallery or museum that oftentimes feels very elitist and 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 separate could be some place where um it's very educational and it's very inviting in that case it's really about familiarity in terms of how that affects the local culture, I think it brings people together. It's just another reason to meet in the same room and um, talk about things that maybe we even see the same thing differently. The local scene is generally what leads to a bigger scene. And, you know, the galleries and museums and things, they follow that. We've talked a little bit about the, you know, creating this space for artists just to come, or not even just artists, but the, you know, the community to come and gather and talk about ideas, talk about art, just talk about experiences. So let's chat about this, your space that you've got. Um, tell me more about what it is and, and what you guys do. Yeah, test site projects. You know, I have an experience, uh, a background as a printmaker, and um, I've always sort of kept active in collaborative printmaking. And when we moved back to Las Vegas in 2018, we founded test site projects, which is a fine art publishing house. We invite artists uh, from around the country, a lot of which started off as friends and then are, are slowly growing into uh, people that we just admire, uh, who we either believe in the work or believe in the person or are just interested to learn more about them. Um, we invite them in and we, um, we make uh, limited edition prints together. And, and, you know, part of it is supporting other artists' work. Part of it is collecting. Um, we collect art ourselves, and, and it's a way to sort of make that accessible. And, and part of it is education, you know, how, how to build new collectors and introduce new people to, 
to these artists and 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 to printmaking and and what limited editions are. A lot of times people think they're posters or reproductions of of a pre-existing artwork like a painting and then we made copies of it. But it's very different than that. We uh, everything we make here in the shop with the artists that we invite only exist in that iteration as a print, right? So there's no like original piece that we've made a reproduction of, but we made these plates and this artwork specifically to be a limited edition um, print. And, and, and so that's the only way they sort of exist in the world. What would you say as uh, you know, an art educator, what's some of the most important things or um, let's say like I'm a new artist who wants to get into printmaking. What are some of the key things that you would try to uh, get me to think about? Um, I think risk, right, would be the first thing that I'm, I'm really focused on is like take risks and learn how to deal with the failure, right? And, and like out of the things that fail, we learn a lot and, and, and that helps move things forward. And I'm always interested in how the printmaking shop becomes a laboratory, right? It's, it's, it's a place with equipment and a studio to make things that don't always have to be limited to tradition um, or traditional prints. And uh, I think a, a big thing for young artists is really like taking risks, right? Putting yourself out there, um, vulnerability. And the studio for me is a place that feels like I can put my guard down. Right, like I can come in here, and I can I can be vulnerable, and I can really um, try things that may not work, and 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 then I can try them again, right? And and no one has to see me <laughs> working through these problems, but but it's it's creating that sort of mindset, right? Of like work ethic and what failure looks like or what it means, and 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 taking some of the weight away from that meaning. I want to ask about that because that is a theme that I've heard in chatting with some other artists too, is this idea of vulnerability, uh, failure. It's kind of part of the job, I feel like, right? To, that you're going to put yourself out there and sometimes you're going to fail. And for a lot of folks, that's really scary. Um, so I'm just curious to know, how do you personally handle being vulnerable, putting, you know, taking risks, putting yourself out there? How do you deal with failure? Like, How have you dealt with vulnerability and failure in the past? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think vulnerability could mean many things in the studio practice, right? But I think like there's a time to be strong and then there's a time to sort of let your guard down. And I, and I feel like, like the, the studio becomes a safe space to let your guard down, right? That it's like a judgment-free zone in a way. And at the same time, with failure, failure could mean many things, right? Like it could mean process failure. It could mean making a painting that just doesn't work and, and reworking things. Um, it also could mean failure in, in a different way in terms of, of, of people not liking what you did or not understanding things and, and what those conversations, which be, can be very difficult conversations, sort of what those look like. So for me, you know, failure is always hard. Right, you work on something in the studio, and you put hours into it, and effort, and material, and time, and resources, and then it just doesn't work, and it's like back to the drawing board, and it's always a little deflating. But I mean, that deflation is humbling, right? And it and it's and it's like, hey, you know, no one comes in here knowing how to do this. Like we're all here to work through these problems and to figure things out, and like you're only going to figure it out by 
by trying things. And if they don't work, then you realize something needed to change and you try and figure out what that is. So I've always dealt with it as as sort of part of the process, right, of making things that that early on in my career, I, I made these drawings that took me forever. And 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 there was there was so much weight on making these pieces that it was it was you know they always had to work because I only had so much time. I didn't want to spend a month making something that at the end of it didn't work and I had to go start again. So I mean it was it was very the box was very small, right? As I sort of experienced more materials and and more process and and sort of went went forward and and then graduate school and all the things that came next, you know, I, I realized that that there's other ways of working to figure out those problems and that that to not put so much weight on one thing that the one thing doesn't have to work, right? That that the one thing could not work and lead to something that does work. It's sort of figuring that out often. When it sounds like this space that you've got set up, I'm almost picturing you as sort of a mad scientist who's who's cooking up all these different sort of uh, ideas in there. Um, I don't know if that's a fair characterization, but I see you nodding maybe a little bit. Um, but how do you create a safe space for people to experiment? And how can folks take this idea out of the art studio or out of the art world and maybe into their own lives of creating spaces where we can experiment and try things? I mean, I, I think of trying to create a space that that's part welcoming, that's organized. You know, when I worked with artists in LA, I would come in an hour early before anybody got there and I would set everything up. So it felt like when they came in there, it was like walking into like a kitchen on a cooking show, right? And like things were just there, right? And the brushes were in the right place and everything was sort of set up and it it, it was inviting to want to work, right? So I think part of it is creating a space that feels that way, that feels inviting to the artist to want to come in and make things. And you're both supportive to them, but you're also um, there to be an extension of their voice. So it's like you lead them into the place where they need to make a decision and then support them in the decision that they're trying to get to. So part of that is, is a focus on them. Part of that is is the sort of experimentation and and trying to open up doors. So I have two questions that I like to just uh, end with. And the first one is, what does art mean to you? I think of art as a way to better understand the world that we live in. It's really about training how we look at things and expanding on our understanding of, of, of the world that we navigate. Last question for me is, uh, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity, I mean, is really about finding your voice, right? Art can be very therapeutic. I mean, it can help us not only navigate the world that we live in and, and, and learn more, understand more. Um, it also helps us learn and understand more about ourselves. And I think creativity is one side to art, right? Art can be a very learned skill. And I think we all have some sort of creativity in us, but, but art helps us hone those uh, creative outlets and, and, and create avenues for them to be visible. That was my conversation with Eric Bean, artist, educator, and founder of Test Site Projects. You can also learn more about Eric and his work at his website, ericbean.com. That's E-R-I-K-B-E 
E-H-N.com. We have more information about Eric and his work at our website, doublescoop.art. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Double Scoop Podcast. This episode was produced in conjunction with Divergent Point Media. More info at divergentpointmedia.com. Our theme music comes from Reno singer-songwriter Greg Gilmore from his song, Who Am I? You can find more episodes of the Double Scoop Podcast on our website, doublescoop.art, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I'm Noah Glick, and thank you so much for listening.